This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, July 25th, 2023. Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for the Tuesday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. Record heat causing issues not only in the U.S., but also at popular vacation destinations overseas. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, though, the latest report on home prices is out today, along with a measure of consumer confidence. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park, business line reminding you to bring your business home is Bob Bruska, chief economist at Fact and Opinion Economics based in New York. And Bob, let's first start with a look at home prices as they just continue to climb. What are the numbers showing us? Yes, uh, you're right, Rachel. Um, well, we saw 1% increase in the uh, in the 20-city index and a similar one in the 10-city index from the Case-Shiller report. Prices are still lower year over year by 1.8% in the 20 city index. And this is the third month in a row that the year over year decline has occurred. But these are pretty modest declines. And basically the housing market's holding up pretty well considering the interest rates have moved up. Yeah, does this offer or paint a more positive outlook for the housing market in the coming months? Well, I think it does, but it's still somewhat difficult because mortgage rates are higher and wages aren't really keeping up with inflation. And so when you think about buying a house, you don't really think about the mortgage rate per se. You think about what it costs you to buy the house, which is the mortgage payment. That's a function of the house price that's high and the mortgage rate that's high. And so there, there are difficult conditions for affordability in the market. And so I have a hard time thinking that the housing sector is going to continue to press ahead like this, but this is an impressive recovery so far. So certainly, and and you sort of mentioned from a buyer's perspective, but I also want to talk about the seller because we're still seeing a lot of reluctancy on that side of the housing market too. What's it going to take to draw them back into the market? Because again, they're not going to give up their mortgage rates for something much much higher with with like you mentioned, higher home prices and, and these these high mortgage rates. Well, you know, that's the deal with the devil if you sell your house. I mean, um, you know, we, we I'm, I'm an older guy. My dad was a real estate salesman. And I can remember when I was young, uh, you used to be able to, if you had enough money, you could assume an existing mortgage. Well, you can't do that anymore. So when you, uh, when you sell a house, you get rid of your mortgage and the buyer can't acquire it. So um, as a seller, you're going to have to buy a different house, you're going to have to pay the higher mortgage price, and you're going to be back in the same market that you're selling your house into. So this is what's making it difficult for people. You know, people who are getting older who might want to sell their house and move into something smaller, they may be finding that something smaller may not save them much money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's shift gears now over to consumer confidence, as we've gotten that report out as well. And it seems to be uh, a pretty sunny outlook, at least for the uh, Americans' view of the economy. 
Yeah, surprisingly, uh, consumer confidence moved up to 117 from 110. That, that's a big month-to-month jump. Um, the present situation improved to 160 from 155. That's a nice increase. But expectations really moved up uh, sharply from 80 to 88.3. So we see increases really across these components. When we look at the details in the report, businesses are just a little bit less um, happy about events than than laborers, right? The employment market remains fairly strong, and you see that in the survey responses. But um, on the business side, uh, businesses are just a little bit more concerned about the outlook and about conditions. On the compensation side of things, you see that the income expectations actually receded. So people are a little bit wary about what kind of compensation they're going to earn going forward, even though they're optimistic about strength in the job market. Thanks so much. Bob Brusca, Chief Economist at Fact and Opinion Economics in New York. Coming up, we'll take a look at the impact of the summer heat wave on travel to Europe as well as other destinations. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It is Travel Tuesday, and this summer's heat waves aren't just confined to the U.S. or Chicago, for that matter. High temperatures are also a problem overseas. So let's check in with Joe Brancatelli. He's editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com based in New York. And Joe, I feel like we're already sweating over here. I can't imagine what it's like in places like Europe, where maybe air conditioning is more of a luxury for some. Well, let me give you a a perfect example of what we're looking at in Europe right now. Yesterday, they measured the temperature of the cobblestones in the Colosseum in Rome, 155 degrees. Wow. Wow. Now, that certainly puts the 100 degree feels like temperature in Chicago into perspective. <laughs> Why would you spend thousands of dollars to fly to Rome to literally walk on hot coals and then maybe go back to a hotel room that isn't air conditioned? So, yeah, are we seeing tourists either sort of change plans or pivot or, or what are these destinations doing to accommodate for the heat as well? Well, I'll take the last bit first. In Greece, where we've seen wildfires causing evacuations in two of the most popular islands, um, Rhodes and Corfu, the Greek government has closed the Acropolis during the day. So if you went to Greece planning to go to the Acropolis, and why wouldn't you? You can't go there during the day because the Acropolis, if you've ever been to Athens, you know, is up on a rock. So it's high up. There's no there's no uh, protection, no greenery. And it's so hot and so bad, the Greek government closed it. Back in Rome, about 70 people a day are getting medical treatment because it's so hot in the Colosseum. Um, it, it's, it's almost unfathomable, very hard to describe, and it really should give travelers pause before they head to these kind of places anywhere in the Mediterranean or in the south of the U.S., Unfortunately, it doesn't look like anybody's paying attention. They're breaking (laughs) records everywhere uh, in Europe, and certainly we're not hearing anything about Phoenix losing tourists or Miami losing tourists. Well, I mean, if you've already made the plans and you've spent the money, I guess you could could suck it up and and make the best of a very, very warm situation. But for those who are still maybe in the... the planning stages, then yes, we're, we're likely going to see some people maybe try to lean toward destinations that uh, either have cooler temperatures or, or maybe just planning your trip during the off-season instead. Well, the, the off-season is always better because let's say it's not terrible in, in Europe. 
in terms of temperature. It's also very crowded. The Europeans are on vacation, so you're not going to meet the locals. You're going to meet people from Des Moines. Not that there's anything wrong with people from Des Moines, but that's not why you flew to Barcelona for it. Mm-hmm. So certainly an off-season destination, a trendy destination is a good idea. If you haven't made your plans yet, let me make a suggestion. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago's a wonderful town. I say that as a New Yorker. Take all that money you might have spent to fly to Florida or fly to Europe and book a swanky hotel, uh, you know, on, on North Michigan. Uh, revel, order room service, and then go, you know, go see Barbenheimer. I know you already have, Rachel, but a lot of us haven't. <laughs> yeah. you, could, you could make a staycation out of it. Thanks so much for joining us, Joe Brancatelli. He's editor and publisher of JoeSentMe.com, based in New York. And up next, we'll take a look at the electric future for America's big three automakers. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. General Motors is updating its status as America's big three car makers all look for that edge when it comes to electric production. Let's get the latest from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv based in Detroit. And John, let's first establish when we're talking about the big three car makers, who are we talking about here? Well, General Motors and Ford, everybody knows that. Chrysler, now known as Stellantis, because it's been merged with a couple of other European companies, but you know, here in Detroit, where I'm based, it's still the Detroit Three. <laughs> right, and, and these are these are the automakers that are really driving uh, this this electric vehicle movement and adoption. Uh, so let's talk about sort of what efforts are being taken and, and really what the future looks like here. Well, you know, right now there's not a whole lot out there, Rachel, but that's going to change uh, a little bit more this year. For example, General Motors has something like. Uh, four or five electric vehicles coming out later this year, uh, an electric version of the Silverado pickup, the Chevy Blazer, the Chevy Equinox. There's even a, a delivery van from a new General Motors division called Bright Drop. And then Cadillac has got this uber crazy $300,000 plus electric car coming out late at the very end of the year. That's on the GM side. Ford continues with the Mustang Mach-E, the the Ford Lightning Electric, and the electric version of the Transit van. So far, Stellantis, you know, the the, the Chrysler part of things, they have not yet hit the market, and they're not going to hit the market until next year with any electric. Well, you've mentioned some pretty exciting things sort of coming down the pike, but I'm curious, we've seen a slowed in production, and so is, is this purely a supply issue? What's behind that? No, you're exactly right. I mean, uh... It's been hard to ramp up battery factories. Uh, They're all coming, but, you know, right now GM is the only one of those three automakers that has a battery plant. They've been having problems getting deliveries of automation. They're literally making those batteries by hand right now. Uh, GM says that's going to get solved before the year is out, and then it can really start to ramp up. And Ford and Stellantis are, are building multiple battery plants in North America. So we're not going to see a a real critical mass of electrics until around the 2025-2026 timeframe. And when we see that influx of inventory, is there any expectation of a change in price that would then go along with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So look, you know, right now they know all automakers, not just the Detroit 3, have known they only can get a little bit out there. 
And so they're coming out with the most expensive ones because that way they potentially can make the money, most money or, or maybe stated another way, lose the least amount of money. Mm-hmm. And then when they get to mass production scale, and that's the key in the automotive industry, once you get to mass production, costs drop dramatically. But again, we're not going to see that until we have second-generation batteries, second-generation electric vehicles. And like I said, that comes in around the 2025, 2026 timeframe. You'll see much more competitive prices then. Thanks so much, John McElroy, automotive industry analyst based in Detroit. Still ahead on this Travel Tuesday, we'll talk about putting together a vacation for multiple generations of the family. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden establishes a national monument to honor Chicagoan Emmett Till and his mother. LeBron James' oldest son in the hospital after suffering a major health scare on the basketball court. In Travel Tuesday, a family vacation can be more than just mom and dad and the kids. Plus, on the travel front, we'll talk about using credit cards to help pay for that trip. WBBM Business. Stocks are trading higher. The Dow up 81 points. NASDAQ up 125. The S&P 500 up 20 points. AccuWeather says hazy sunshine and a high this afternoon of 92 degrees. Those temperatures will settle around 74 this evening. President Biden has signed a proclamation establishing a national monument honoring Emmett Till and his mother, Mamie Till Mobley. He thanked Emmett Till's surviving family members for keeping his memory alive. It's inspiring to see how many of your family have continued as mother's courage to find faith in pain, purpose in pain. The National Monument includes a location in Chicago as well as two in Mississippi. Till's 1955 lynching in Mississippi is seen as a watershed moment in the civil rights movement. The child of an NBA megastar is in the hospital. Bronny James, the 18-year-old son of NBA superstar LeBron James, is said to be out of intensive care and in stable condition after going into cardiac arrest during a workout at USC Monday. Bronny was rushed by ambulance to the hospital after collapsing at USC's Galen Center, where the team plays and practices. The 18-year-old rising talent is committed to playing for the Trojans this upcoming school year. Erica Herskowitz for CBS News, New York. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, the markets are trading higher and joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Gary Kolpbaum, president of Kolpbaum Capital Management based in Orlando, Florida. Gary, we're not seeing a ton of movement today, but what we are seeing, it's, it's good news, I suppose. Well, it's just a continuation of the bullish phase. Uh, Selling has lasted a day or two and then uh, gets dried up and uh, markets move higher. Uh, Starting in the beginning of June, it became more broad-based, where the rest of the market was playing catch-up to the big seven and that everybody's been talking about. And I I don't want to use the word relentless, uh, but it's almost getting close to that point. And today's just another one of those days. Well, and we're also in the heart of some significant earnings from some some companies, uh, some of the major seven included, but uh, just sort of gaining a broader picture of sort of where companies are, are viewing the economy and where it's headed. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, you know, when you get into good markets, bad news can be bought up. I can tell you there are some stocks today uh, that reported earnings, gave down guidance, and the stocks are up 5, 6, 7, 8%. Hmm. Uh, so you're in one of those moments uh, where it's just a plain old bull phase. What the market's looking at beats the heck out of me because you have the Fed raising rates again tomorrow, which means the cost of capital goes up. But right now, uh, whatever the market's seeing on the good front, it's reacting to it. And uh, uh, we have a lot more earnings to come, especially you got, I believe, Microsoft, Google, and Visa after the close. We'll know a lot more in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but that, like you mentioned, that resiliency really is going to be a, a factor here. I am curious because you alluded to it. We are expecting uh, likely another rate hike from the Fed, uh, likely another quarter of a percentage point there. But we know that this is the last Fed meeting, at least through September, do you think there's more rate hikes on the horizon? Well, you know, they keep telegraphing one more and one more. I think this one and possibly one more after that, unless inflation starts to spike again. And I'm watching oil prices right now starting to tick up again. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're about $80. So uh, at the pump, it's not going to be too much fun in a couple of weeks. Uh, That said, I, I think they're close unless something extraneous happens. Uh, and then we'll see what happens at that point. And again, if you would have told me six months ago that the Fed's going to be at five and a half, five and three quarters, almost six, I would have told you the S&P would be at 3,200, not 4,500. Yep. But uh, the market's doing its thing. Well, the market's doing its thing. The question is, how long is that going to last? And will we see a significant pullback? And at what point? Uh, well, the normalcy of the market is uh, you don't keep the smiles on the faces of one side Uh, for too long. So we'll probably get some pullbacks in there. But the the strength of the market has been pretty darn good. The technical condition continues to get better. I can tell you now that commodities are now starting to come on as well as oils. Uh, So again, broad base is very tough to take down in in a meaningful fashion. So I think we're in good stead for right now. Uh, We'll talk about it again in a couple of months. Yeah. And Gary, just quickly, any, any sort of areas of the market that you're finding undervalued right now? (laughs) Uh, That's a tough one. I would have to suggest uh, financials, which are also been coming on, uh, getting back a lot of what they lost uh, from the debacle uh, with uh, Silicon Valley. And I do believe energy is is on the value front uh, still uh, much. Let's put it best, much less than technology stocks. Thanks so much for joining us. Gary Kolbaum, president of Kolbaum Capital Management in Orlando. You can find him online at GaryK.com. Up next in Travel Tuesday, planning a trip that'll satisfy not only parents and kids, but grandparents, too. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and this afternoon, the focus is all about planning a trip that involves multiple generations. Let's get some insight from Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief at SheBuysTravel.com, based in Chicago. And Cindy, we've previously talked about the trend of multi-gen trips and how it's becoming more and more frequent. But for those of us that are looking to actually take that trip, what are some of the first steps we can do when planning? Well, communication, communication, communication. That's always the answer. First, you got to find out what kind of trips your family likes to take. Um, Are you cruisers? Would you rather stay on land? Do you want to be active? Do you want to just lay on a beach? 
what's the the best kind of trip for everyone and give everyone a say. It's always important for everybody to be able to weigh in. Even if it's only one person paying, it's going to be more fun if everybody's doing what they like. You mentioned uh, pay, and I'm guessing that's also going to be a pretty important part of planning is sort of deciding on a budget and who pays for what and how much. Absolutely, because, you know, in some families, there's there's you know, the brother-in-law that's got a lot of money and then the nephew who's just graduating college and doesn't is trying to save up for a car. So you want to make sure that you've got things that everybody can afford to do. You know, there there's so many different ways to do the trip. I mean, maybe grandma and grandpa pay for everybody to go on a cruise and then you all pick the things you want to do and you come together for dinner at the end of the day and that's your family time together. Um, but, you know, we've done it many, many different ways in our family. And I mean, there's also ones where we just, uh, you know, we went to a place, we rented a house and, and we did things during the day. Um, you know, whoever wanted to go went and whoever didn't want to go didn't go. It just depends on your family's needs and, and making sure that you're respecting everybody's different levels of interest for activity um, and financial acumen for paying for it. Well, you talk about all the activities and we know that there's destinations that that most offer something for just about everyone. But I also think when you're talking about a multi-generational trip, you also have to plan for some downtime, right? Whether that's for grandma and grandpa or the kids maybe need a nap or some time to rest just to make sure that when you do go out on those activities, uh, people aren't cranky. Oh, absolutely. I'm a big believer in nap time on vacations. And, you know, another thing, you, you talked about grandma and grandpa. You've also, that's another part of the communication. You want to have a conversation that says, is grandma and grandpa coming along to be the babysitters? Or are they coming along to be a part of the of the trip? And, you know, maybe on Tuesday, grandma and grandpa babysit so so that the parent generation can go out and have a little fun on their own. But they don't have to do it every night of the week. What are some destinations that sort of fit? We've described this this multi-gen trip. So if we're, if we're looking for ideas, what suggestions can you throw out? Well, literally, I think any destination will do. We've done them in Dallas. We've done them in an all-inclusive in Mexico. We've done them on cruise ships. I think it, it really is whatever it is you all like to do. I mean, frankly, a Chicago family could rent a house in New Buffalo and and spend a week there at the beach with Honestly, I have a uh, have a friend whose family does that, and, and then the ones that have to work just commute a couple of days, and, and everybody's together on the weekend. There are so many ways to do it. Any destination truly can be a multi-gen destination as long as it's got something that your family wants to do. Thanks so much. Cindy Richards, Editor-in-Chief at SheBuysTravel.com, based in Chicago. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, we'll talk about using credit cards to get the very best value for your next trip. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. And Travel Tuesday continues, as certain credit cards can help you better absorb the cost of your next vacation. We're joined now by Ted Rossman, industry analyst at creditcards.com based in New York. And Ted, I know we just earlier were talking about financially planning for a trip and it turns out credit cards may come in handy. And from what I understand, there's sort of two schools of thought here when it comes to credit cards. And one would be just the generic travel perks and then others are for maybe more brand loyalty. That's right. Yeah. Lots of value to be had. I mean, everything from free trips and upgrades to maybe a checked bag waiver. That's actually a really good point about those airline 
credit cards. Even the starter cards, they may have a $95 annual fee. You could recoup that in just one trip if you and a companion are going to be checking bags each way. So I think the point is you don't need to be a super road warrior to find value here. Sure. Well, and that's I think maybe that might be the stigma affiliated with travel credit cards is I need to be the jet setter that's constantly taking trips in order to justify some of those perks. But a little goes a long way. It's actually easier than ever to earn free travel through everyday spending. Money that you would have spent anyway on gas and groceries and other things can really add up to a free trip. Think about those sign-up bonuses, too. Like, you can be really targeted about, okay, I want to take a trip to Europe next year or something like that. Signing up for the right credit card could get you all or most of the way there. Well, you mentioned when you sign up. Are there other ways, too, that we can sort of maximize these travel credit cards? There are, yeah. We haven't talked yet about airport lounge access and global entry and TSA pre-check waivers. All of these things are surprisingly accessible. And I would urge people to not get scared off by the sticker shock that a lot of times these cards do have hefty annual fees. Maybe it's $395 on the Capital One Venture X or $550 on the Chase Sapphire Reserve. It sounds like a lot, but there are so many credits that offset these fees that I actually think a lot of people would find a ton of value here. And obviously the key thing, too, is going to be paying off those balances on those cards each month and making sure that you're then eligible for some of the rewards. Uh, Any other advice, Ted, that you might have for those looking to take advantage of these travel perks? In general, I'm a big fan of the general purpose cards just because that keeps your options open. So, yes, if you're really loyal to a certain airline or hotel chain, it might make sense to get their card. But I actually really like cards like the Capital One Venture, the Chase Sapphire Preferred, and others that let you transfer to a number of different airline and hotel partners. It just keeps your options open, just like diversifying your investments. Thanks so much for joining us, Ted Rossman, industry analyst at creditcards.com. You'll find some past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at wbbmnewsradio.com. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile? mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion celebrate and save at ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys your choice of color starting at just 3.99 ashley sleep mattresses starting at 250 plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like stearns and foster temper pedic purple and beauty rest black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. 
The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.